Friends, our second lesson is from 1 Kings, the story of Elijah. But to get to this story, you need to know what has happened right before. Now, Elijah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel, 9th century BCE. And the problem at that time was that many people were worshiping other gods. Namely, they were worshiping the god Baal. At that time, the king was named Ahab and the queen was named Jezebel. And Jezebel also worshipped Baal and actively encouraged this. And so the Lord God calls Elijah to become a prophet and to bring the people back to God away from worshipping Baal. So right before this happens, Elijah is told to go and gather the prophets of Baal And they're going to have a ceremony. And so Elijah goes to Ahab and says, Gather all of your prophets who worship Baal. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an offering, a sacrifice of a bull. And you and your prophets of Baal will get their offering, their sacrifice ready. And then you will call down fire from Baal to burn up the offering. If your God is so powerful, if he is everything you think that he is, then call down the power of Baal to burn up this offering. And so they started praying and they started doing everything they could, these prophets of Baal, and they called that Baal would rain down fire on the sacrifice and nothing happens. So Elijah rebuilds the altar to God that the prophets of Baal have torn down. And he gets an offering of a bull and he gets it ready for sacrifice. And then Elijah also takes water and he puts water all over the sacrifice and he puts water all around the altar and he prays, Lord God, rain down fire from heaven. And the Lord God does. And the offering is burned up. And the people are shown that it is the Lord God who is powerful. And then God calls Elijah to take all those prophets of Baal and execute them. And he does. But then word gets back to Jezebel that Elijah has executed all of her prophets of Baal. And that's where our story begins today. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and went to sleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. Elijah looked, 
and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. Elijah got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. There came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Japhat of Abel-Meholah, as a prophet in your place. Whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I jokingly told Brett earlier this week that 80% of preaching is figuring out what not to say. I don't think I've done a very good job of that because there's so much in this story. There's so much. And if you put it next to the story that comes before, it's even more amazing. We see Elijah running to Mount Carmel to have this prophetic showdown in the desert. 
And then we also see Elijah running away from Israel deep into Judah to get to Horeb, Mount Sinai, where God had given the Ten Commandments. We see at Carmel this big fireball come from the sky. There is noise. There is all sorts of light and heat. And then we see Elijah alone in the sheer silence of the mountain. We see Elijah having what had to have been one of his greatest days as a prophet, right? He challenges the prophets of all to a showdown and God shows up big time. But then we also have Elijah filled with despair. And so maybe a sermon should be about Elijah Elijah, who just had this miraculous event happen in the desert, but also who is called to execute all those prophets of Baal. And I imagine in my biblical imagination that that's not easy for anyone. And so when he finds out that Jezebel wants to kill him, it is too much and he leaves. And you see this despair start to set in, right? You see him saying, I want to die. I am no better than my ancestors. He tells the Lord God that everyone is trying to kill him, that he's the only one left, and that isn't true. There are lots of faithful Israelites left. But I don't know about you, but I've been in that place where I can't remember the goodness of God and all I can see is the despair, and that is where Elijah is. Maybe we should talk about God. We are told in this passage that the Lord God is not in the earthquake and is not in the fire, that God is in the silence and who knows exactly what Elijah needs. Because when he tells Elijah to get up and go and name these rulers, what he is saying is, you no longer have to do this work alone, Elijah. If you will just name Haziel and Jehu and Elisha, they will help you get rid of the prophets of Baal. God knew just what he needed. But I think what I want to talk about today is the angel. The angel. The angel in the desert. The angel who comes to Elijah when he is ready to die. And the angel wakes him up and says, eat this. And Elijah eats it. And he goes back to sleep and the angel wakes him up again and says, eat this now that you've rested because the journey will be too much for you. And then he sends him to Horeb where he will have an experience of God. The angel is the one who says, I hear all of this despair that you have, but what you really need is rest and what you really need is sustenance and what you really need is to be pointed back to God. And I want us to think for a moment about who have been the angels in our lives. Because the truth of the matter is there are mountaintop experiences like Mount Carmel, but there are valleys where all is darkness where you cannot remember one good thing, where all you can see is the black of night. And into those places, God often sends angels. And I want to tell you about one of those in my life. 
shortly after having my first child, I got to this place where I could not remember anything good or hopeful. And I would pray and I would do what I could. But at night, when this baby wasn't sleeping, I would hold her in my arms, this perfect child, and I would think, I'm not good enough to be her mother. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. Actually, I was really worried that I was going to be just like my ancestors, right? Who weren't very good mothers either. And I would sit and I would rock that sweet baby and in the baby's room there was a big glass window and I would think about how much of a running start I would have to get to jump through it and make it all go away. And I would think Brian should get them a different mother, should get the baby a different mother. And so one night, Brian finds me wandering around the kitchen and I kind of just spew all of this stuff out. And God bless my husband because he said, you have to see a doctor. And I was under the care of my obstetrician and he said, do you want to go see him? And I said, no way. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not telling anybody this. I was so ashamed, just ashamed. And so then Brian said, can you talk to Dr. Morris? Now, Dr. Morris had been mine and Brian's GP for a good 10 years at that point. We knew his family. He was a person of faith, and he celebrated with us when we found a church home. And he celebrated with us when I was called into ministry. And every time I saw him, he was interested in what God was doing in my life. And so Brian took me to Dr. Morris, and I sat down, and I started crying, and I said, all I can think about is how they'd be better off without me. And he said the most amazing thing. He said, Tara, this is not your fault. This isn't happening because you aren't faithful enough. And it's not happening because you're not praying enough. And it's not happening because you aren't exercising enough. It's happening because something is happening in your body that you can't control. And I'm going to help you. Do you know what's amazing about that? I didn't even know that I needed to hear that, that I needed someone to say, it's not because you aren't faithful enough. But he said the exact words that I needed. And that man walked me through the next year. And when we were blessed with another baby, he walked me through that also. He was the angel who said, let's get you rested And let's feed you and care for you. Let's nourish you. And sure enough, because of his care, I could again go to God in prayer in that silence and hear God's words of love and hope spoken into my life. That's an angel. Now, it is my ardent hope that none of you ever feel that despair. But you're human, and so I'm betting you might at one time or another. And so what I want to say to you today is that one, when you walk through that valley, just like Elijah, cry out for help. Whether it is a physician or a pastor or a friend, cry out for help because the Lord God works through angels that often look like you and me. And so that, that is your duty as a person of faith. 
And the second thing I am asking you and I am begging you is to go out into the world with the eyes of an angel and to look for people who are in that valley who cannot remember that God has ever called them to anything good, to those who are filled with despair, and to them, I want you to offer them a cold cup of water or a cup of coffee. Offer them sustenance. Ask them if they're getting enough rest. Ask how you can help. Acknowledge that we all go through the valley and that we all need people who can care for us during those times. Whether you are called like Elijah to do the hard, hard thing, whether you are on the mountain and you can hear God or not, we all need angels. And so I'm asking you to be an angel out into the world, to see who is hurting, and to offer them the grace and hope that has been offered to you. And when you go through that valley, may you reach out to those in your faith community, to those who are closest to you, knowing that it's a part of human experience that we all go through darkness. Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. And what he meant by that is that we are never left alone and we are always given what we need. So may we be a people who remember to partake of the bread and may we be a people who offer it to others. Thanks be to God and amen.